Amen. While you're standing, turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 149. Including today, I've got three psalms left to preach, and I do know how to count. Today will be Psalm 149. The Sunday after Thanksgiving will be Psalm 150. And the Sunday after the drama in December will be Psalm 151. Now, brace yourself. I'm not adding to the Bible or taking away. You'll understand when I preach it. I have began this journey in March of 2016, preaching through the Psalms. So it's been quite a journey. And I was telling someone the other day, I said, I could re-preach all the way through them again and not preach the same message. There's so much there. It's so rich and beautiful. Psalm 149, let's go ahead and take a look there. Praise the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song and praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains, their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. And for just a few minutes, I want to preach on this title today, Activating Your Kingdom Authority. Let's pray. Father, you are the living word. I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and that you would speak both your logos and your rima to your church. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. God, write it upon our hearts. I pray that you would cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And we ask it all, pray it all, and believe it all in your matchless name. Jesus and give you all the glory and can we do that right now hallelujah hallelujah praise the Lord you may be seated in Jesus name welcome to all of you here uh, some guests that are back with us the second time thank you for being here some a third time and some uh, just thank you for coming and and making this your home church we appreciate you in Jesus name I do want to just uh, uh, single out sister Regina she's moved here from Indianapolis and is uh, got a job here at the uh, um, Nebraska Medical Center and uh, was attending the Calvary Church at pastor by brother Carson she's going to be here now with us so get to know her a little bit and uh, make her welcome. Amen. We're so glad she's here in Jesus' name. All of our guests and, and members joining us online, we love and greet you. We bless you. And uh, those of you that are homesick, we're praying for you and we love you. Sister Dana, we saw you leave. We're praying for you as well in Jesus' name and believing for healing virtue. Thank you, Lord. Well, finding its place uh, among the Hallel Psalms, as they're called, uh, means 
to praise the Lord or hallelujah, finding their place. The 149th Psalm encourages us to praise God with dancing, with singing, and with the playing of musical instruments. Uh, It also reveals God's desire to restore and reconcile and redeem humanity to a right relationship with Him. And by the way, this did take place at Calvary. So uh, the fact that the psalmist said he will beautify the meek with salvation indicates he was prophesying into the future of the moment when Jesus would come and of course hang on a cross, die and purchase our salvation with his blood. Psalm 149 also uh, prophesies of a time when after the church is glorified that we will reign with Christ and judge the earth. And so ultimately Psalm 149 reveals to us how to activate our kingdom authority presently and what it will be like in eternity. So let's just dive right in and get to activating our authority. What do you say? Amen. These keys represent access to and authority to the power of God. And so we're going to look at three basic things today of how to activate that authority. If I gave you these keys today and you never used them for their intended purpose, they would be just weight in your pocket or purse. But if you use them for their intended purpose and activated their authority and power, you would experience what God has in store for you. So today, the choice is, are you going to activate your authority? Well, let's, let's take a look at the first one. Uh, in the first three verses, it tells us to sing a new song, to praise the Lord. Uh, uh, let all the children, re, uh, re, uh, excuse me, let all Israel rejoice. Let all the children be joyful in their king. Verse 3, let them praise his name in the dance. Now, I got to tell you something that I find really interesting and cool. Throughout all the songs and all the places that tell us to praise the Lord, the only place in the Bible that tells us how to praise His name is right here in the dance. Now, I'm not going to make a doctrine out of it and say that's the only way we can praise His name. But it's uniquely interesting to me that the way to praise His name, according to this psalmist, was in the dance. Mm, mm, mm. And so the first key is we activate our authority through praise. Oh, mm. oh yeah, come on now. When you can come in and begin to praise God before the music even starts. Can I get real for just a minute? When you can come to the pre-service prayer and begin to lift up the name of Jesus and there's no music other than maybe what's playing in the background and and it might just be a handful of people and you can begin to love him. Oh, come on somebody. When you can begin to praise God despite what's happened to you, despite where you've been, despite what you're going through presently, when you can begin to praise God God and magnify him you're activating your access to kingdom authority Mm. you see praise reveals that no matter what the enemy tried he failed 
You see, he tried to judge me, but I just started jumping for joy. Oh, come on, somebody. He berated me, but I just started blessing the Lord. He tried to shame me, but I sang a new song. He tried everything he could to discourage me, but I just decided I'm going to dance and praise the name of the Lord anyway. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. And so when you praise him, you're activating your access into kingdom authority. Now here's what's interesting about dancing. It requires the use of your feet. Why is that important? Glad you asked. It's a great question. Because Romans 16, 20 says that God puts Satan under our feet. And in Luke 10, 19, he said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. So when I start dancing, every bit of problem, every bit of trial, everything the enemy brought, I'm praising the name of the Lord and crushing Satan. Mm. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, why don't we just take a time out for a shout and activate some authority? What do you say? Come on. Mm. Oh, come on, somebody. Is anybody grateful for where he's brought you from? Oh, hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> Woo! Come on, you're taking the key out. You're putting it in the lock. You're unlocking. Oh, hallelujah. There's something about praise. Woo! Listen, listen. What, what just happened wasn't call and response. It, it wasn't some Pentecostal tradition. What just happened was some saints of God that have been through some things, that have walked through some things, that have said, I'm not going to let that define me. I'm a child of God. Woo! Glory. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know, isn't it interesting that what God has for the, the genuine, Satan always has and, and, and takes it to imitate it, takes it to, to warp it. And so the, the genuine dancing before the Lord and the genuine praising God becomes some sort of gyrations that with filled with sexual innuendos. Mm -hmm. And the praising goes from God to the person. And so you know what we're doing? When we praise His name in the dance, we're putting the glory back where it belongs. We're not just activating authority. Uh, for ourselves, what we're doing is we're saying, oh God, there ain't a man that deserves it. There ain't a woman that deserves it. No flesh glories in your presence. Uh, you're worthy of it all. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what other, oh, come on. He's been too good to me. I'm going to restore his place of glory. Huh. So praise activates our authority. Watch, number two. Verses 4 and 5, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. I want you to pause in that verse right there for just a minute. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. Some of you have wondered, does God still love me? 
I want you to underline this verse, highlight it, write it down, memorize it, especially, it's real simple. You, you can even use King James, the Lord taketh, if you want to say taketh, just to the colon, just that. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. Get it in your head, get it in your heart. God takes pleasure in his people. Watch this, watch this. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Now, when the psalmist wrote this, it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> but we have the ability to see see the psalmist was on this side of it prophesying it we're on this side of it having experienced it so he has beautified the meek we're the meek he's beautified us with salvation so therefore let all saints be joyful in glory let them sing aloud upon their beds. That's a phrase indicating that even in the nighttime, even in the darkness, Pastor Trevor, I can still sing aloud on my bed. Oh. So the second key is you activate authority when you display God's salvation. You remember Psalm 148, verse 14, a couple weeks ago? about how that we display dominion in that verse. I, I brought that verse out. He exalts the horn of his people means to display the dominion of his people. It's the same concept of beautifying the meek with salvation. He beautified us with salvation to display his glory, to display his power. Pastor Trevor read it in the first uh, half when he uh, read from Matthew 5. When we glorify God, when we praise him, when we're the salt and the light, people see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So the second key is displaying God's salvation. Amen. You ever, you ever see a, a you know, a police officer, typically they don't have to because they're, they're already in you know, uniform, but, but a detective may not be. And so they'll reach in and they'll pull out a thing and they'll flash it. It's got a badge on it and their picture on it. You know, I'm, I'm a detective with the Omaha Police Department or I'm with the FBI or whatever. And it, it, it's revealing who they are. When, oh, come on. When we display salvation, you know what we're doing? It, it's not just other people. Oh, it's not that we're walking around saying, hi, I'm saved. It's so the spirit world knows to whom I belong. Salvation is displayed in my life so that when I walk into a room, the Lord walks into a room. Listen, that's not an arrogant statement. That's not a proud statement. I'm not saying it because I'm ordained by the apostolic ministry. What it is, is the fact that when I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within and I display God's salvation, God plus me is the majority. I can walk into the devil's den and God has walked in. We've got to believe that. We've got to understand that because we walk in that displayed authority. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know sometimes we go on places and jobs and areas where we feel outnumbered and maybe humanly we are, but in the spirit. By the way, you do know that Darkness is not the opposite of light. It's the absence. Same, same scenario. Evil is not the opposite of good. It's the absence of God. 
So when we walk into a situation, displayed salvation has just walked in to a situation. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I mentioned singing aloud upon their beds. This was meant that they could sing at night unafraid of the enemy. Look at Luke 12, 31 and 32 with me for a minute here. Luke 12, 31, but rather, he said, seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not only does he take pleasure in you, it's his good pleasure. In other words, his desire, his will to give you the kingdom. God does not want to withhold it from us. It's his desire to give it, but ready? Here's the problem. Too many Christians are acting like the older brother in the field. Let me, let me prove it. When, when, when the two, when the younger brother came to his father, said, give me my inheritance, read it. It's in Luke, I think, 15. He says, the Bible says the father divided inheritance among them. So both the older and the younger brother got their inheritance in that moment. We always focus on the younger brother, what he does. He goes and wastes his money on riotous living, right? He wakes up in a pig pen. He's about to eat the slop that the pigs are eating, and he realizes, oh, my goodness, even servants have it better in my father's house, and he begins to repent, and he makes his way back. He's penniless. He's shoeless. He's sonless. Mm. But the minute the father sees him on the horizon, there he is. He begins to run to him because he knows he's come back. What's he do? Anybody know? He puts shoes on his feet. You want to know why? Because slaves didn't wear shoes. He was saying, you're a son, not a slave. He puts a robe on his back. That's relationship. He puts the ring on his finger. That's authority. He restored it. And while they're having a big party and the fatted calf is being cooked, the older brother's out in the field pouting. Wants to know what's going on. Ask one of the servants, hey, what's happening? Oh, your younger brother's returned and we're having a big party. He still doesn't come in. Dad comes out and says, what are you doing? He never threw a party for me. Read it. He says, son, all that I have is yours. Not will be, elder. Now. But he was in the field acting like a hired servant instead of acting like a son who already had authority. And that's the problem with some of us. We go to God like we think we're a hired servant, like we don't have shoes on our feet, like we don't have a ring on our finger or a robe on our back, and we got to beg, borrow, and steal. And God's saying, you're a son. Can I give you the MTP commentary on that parable? You're a son. Act like it. Watch. Here's the reality. We understand the first two. Even though sometimes we act like the son. We understand the first two. We understand praising God. We understand displaying salvation. We get that for the most part. But there's a third key, and if we don't activate it too, our, our authority will be incomplete. Okay? 
Let me prove it to you. You see, I have two keys on this ring. If I was to give this to you, the, the gold key here, the one I'm pointing at, this unlocks the exterior doors to this building, even the ones downstairs. They're key to light. So I could, you could get in the building with this key. However, this red one unlocks my study. So we understand the first two keys, but inside my study in the top drawer, there's a set of keys that is to every room in this entire building. I even have a key that can unlock a, 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 a key lock in, in the treasurer's office. And if I don't have it on my ring, I can go get it off of, off of there. In other words, we understand the first two pretty good and we carry them around, but we never go to the third or we rarely do. And let me explain the third. Here we go. And, and, and by the way, be encouraged. I know that sounds negative and derogatory, but be encouraged because God's told me to reveal it because you're ready to receive it. Are you ready? Let's look at verses 6 through 9 of Psalm 149. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and the nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. This is somewhat speaking of a future time, of course, when we will reign with him as kings and priests. It does give us that. But it also lets us know we can operate in authority now with the praises of God in our mouth and the two-edged sword in our hands. So this third way of activating the authority is speaking God's word. We sang the song today, I think it's just simply titled Echo, I think is what they, the praise team calls it, right? Yeah, okay. And, 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 but it's, it's declaring the name of Jesus. It's declaring the word of God, the word of healing. See, activating this step is speaking God's word as he's given it to us. And as we understand it, getting deeper into it, and operating in the speaking of His Word. We know that when His Word goes forth, it will not return unto Him void, but will accomplish what He has sent it to do. Here's the thing. We have to accept, watch this. I want you to catch this. We have to accept God's truth about us and about His kingdom because if we don't, self-doubt will destroy our potential to fulfill God's word. Oh, I need you to hear me on this. We've got to accept what God says about us and about his kingdom and then speak it boldly. Now, it might take you some steps to get there. It might take you building a bridge and walking across it to get there. But you've got to do the hard work to get there to begin to realize I am who I am says I am. And not be saying it arrogantly or proudfully, but rather saying it, as you said the other day, Godfidently. Hallelujah. I heard it. That was good. All right. So let me give you some lessons here on how to do this. Are you ready? Let's go to Jeremiah 1. Uh, if you'd put it up there, uh, media guides. There we go. Jeremiah 1. Uh, verse, is that ver yeah, verse 4? Is verse 4 in there? I need verse 4 first. If I didn't give it to you, I'm sorry. 
Amen. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you to profit unto the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for you shall go. All that I shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Here's the lessons we need to take from this and learn. Jeremiah, his excuse was, I'm too young. I'm not an elder. I haven't proven myself yet. And what did Jesus say to him? What did God say to him here in the word? Uh, hey, don't say that. I've already put my word in you. I've already called you. I've already destined you. Our excuse may not be the same as Jeremiah's, but we've got excuses why God can't use us. We've got reasons why God can't use us. And we add them all up, and we, and we put them on the scale with his illimitable nature, and we think that they measure out, but they don't. Let me ask you something. Can God lie? Why? Somebody say Titus 1, 2, please. Thank you. Y'all were right, but I'm, I was looking for Titus. I was hoping somebody would say Titus 1, 2, because it says God cannot lie. Right in the text. Watch. If he can't lie then when he calls me, he's not making a mistake. If he can't lie, if he never fails, if he never forsakes, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's immutable, then when he says, I'm calling you, he's not making a mistake. We're all nervous. We're all worried. Me? Say? Speak? What? What? Huh? What? You sure? Are you right? Oh, uh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, God. And, and I think there should always be a certain sense of reverence and awe and, and, and respect and, and a certain degree of fear. Of, every time God tells me to go pray for somebody, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to triple check, quadruple check, and double check, and times 10 to make for sure. And it's not because I'm, I'm this nervous wreck. It's just I, I want to handle the word of God properly. When I study to preach, I'm not just whipping up a sermon and finding something I preached 12 years ago and pulling it out of the hat and saying, I'll preach this again. No, I'm wanting to make sure that what I'm speaking is in alignment with what God wants to say to his people. So I understand that. But we got to stop making excuses. Jeremiah tried, I'm too young. God's like, I don't care. I've called you. So, verse 8, don't be afraid. Remember, remember the sheep among wolves I talked about a couple weeks ago? Don't be afraid where God is going to send you because he's going before you and he's going with you and his word's in your mouth. Verse 9, God touched his mouth. Can I tell you what you need to pray for is a God-touching mouth moment where he comes down in your prayer closet and says, come on, sister. Come on, brother. Your excuses aren't adding up. I've called you. I've put my word in you. Now open your mouth and speak it. Watch this. He gives him these things, he says, I'm giving you authority over kingdoms and over nations, and you're going to root out and 
pull down and destroy and throw down. Can I tell you that Jeremiah did that with the help of the Lord. But can I tell you us, it's not the kingdom of Babylon or Assyria. Rather, it is the kingdom of darkness that we're rooting out and we're pulling down and we're destroying and we're throwing down. Not in our might, not in our power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. But watch, we're not just doing that. We're also building and planting the same word that cuts away the lies of the enemy. The same sword that chops down what the enemy's doing also has a way to build up and begin to plant truth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're called to speak His word. Now, When God touches you, let me say this. You cannot be silent. Here's why. If you will not use your voice for God's purpose, Satan will use your silence for his. Let's look at Isaiah for a minute. Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up his train, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. Twain covered his face. Twain covered his feet. And twain he did fly. One cried unto another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go. Tell this people. I'm going to stop right there. Let me ask you a question. What has to die for you to see the Lord. Once Uzziah passed, Isaiah saw the glory of God. Scholars believe that Isaiah had this deep respect for Uzziah, looked at him almost as if he was godlike. Whether or not that's true, I'm not 100% sure. I just know this. It's interesting and unique that in that moment that he died, that's when Isaiah saw the Lord. Can I tell you, some of us have things that are blocking our view. Some of us let things get into our system. Books, movies, distractions that are blocking our view of God. And if that thing would die... We would see the glory of God revealed and manifested on a larger scale than we could even imagine. We're used to little flashes in the pan and woo, tongues over here and woo, hallelujah over there. But what God is wanting to do is to show us deeper things. Notice after he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he then saw the majestic host of the Lord, seraphims with their wings spread out, glorifying God, declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He's seeing this power and glory and manifestation and majesty of God because something that was blocking his view 
had died. And can I tell you, we've got some things in our lives. We've got some distractions in our lives that we've got to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Hello? I, I, I'm not really expecting people to run the aisles on that one because it gets us where we are sometimes. We want God to just hand it to us. And he's like, I'm trying, but you got something in your way. Oh, hallelujah. Once that Uzziah is gone, you'll see angels. Once you've seen God in all his glory, though, here's what happens. You then see yourself. Woe is me. You see, sometimes we walk around with a little bit of an air thinking, well, I got told it was. I'm going to heaven. And the preacher says something about what's got to die, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm living for God pretty good. I hope she's hearing it, though. Well, I hope he's listening to it. Uh-huh. But once you've seen God, you begin to look inwardly and go, uh-oh. Wow. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, God. I dwell among a people that have unclean lips. Same thing with Jeremiah. Watch what happens. One of them seraphims goes with some tongs, gets a coal off of the fire and comes back and says, I'm going to touch you. Watch. He says, your iniquity is purged or taken away and your sin is purged when he touched him. Can I tell you that when you have a seeing God moment, when that thing dies and, and you have a woe is me moment, you're going to have an iniquity sin purging moment. Mm. And it's vital because you can't really see the need until you've first seen God uninhibited, un, uh, uh, with no view being prohibited at all. You can't really see the need until you've seen Him and your own self. Because once all those happens, then you're able to say, Oh Lord, here am I. Send me. I see the need. I hear what you're saying. I'll go where you want me to go. But as long as I've got something blocking my view and I can't fully see God, I'm never going to see myself and the need I have. But if I'll see God, if that thing will die, I'll be purged. I'll be cleansed. And I'll be able to see the need of others. Oh God, help us. Help us, O oh Lord. And once that Uzziah is gone and you've seen God in his dominion, you're ready to fulfill his word. And Isaiah went and spoke his word. And as I was studying this, this is what God gave me. When Samuel was called, the Lord said, none of your words are going to fall to the ground. I know that is specific for Samuel. But the Lord spoke that to me, and I feel to prophesy it over this church. We broke through something last Sunday. We broke through that third dimension into multiplication. And I believe God is today saying, if you'll get a hold of these keys, and you'll praise me and display my salvation and speak my word, I'm not going to let those words fall to the ground. Now, I want you to put up Isaiah 54, 17, please. Praise team, get ready if you would. I'm about to wrap this up. We're going to do something special here. Isaiah 54, 17. How many of you love this verse? We especially love up to the semicolon. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. 
I have been guilty of preaching this and stopping at the semicolon. But let's keep reading. And every tongue that shall rise against you, you shall condemn. How are you going to condemn it? It is written. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, every tongue, you're going to be able to say, uh uh, in the name of Jesus, it is written. And speak the word of God. Why? Because it's the heritage of servants of the Lord. That's our heritage as God's children to speak his word. Let there be light. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on up, guys. Praise team is going to sing. And when they do, here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do. I want you to first pray the word of God over your life. Altar call today is this. We're going to first pray the word on our lives. God, help me to see it the way you want me to see it. Help me to see me the way you see me. I've been like Jeremiah using excuses, but God help me to see the excuses remove and touch me today. Pray for yourself first. You understand what I'm saying? Take a couple minutes and pray the word of God over yourself first. Then, when you've done that, go pray for somebody else. Pray for a family member. Pray for a spouse. Pray for a sibling. Go pray for another brother or sister in Christ and pray the word of God over them. There's power in the word of God. There's power in speaking the name of Jesus. There's power in declaring the authority of who God is. And as we do, I believe we're going to begin to experience things that God wants us to experience. I believe there are people watching today that are going to be healed as we pray. And if some of you feel the Holy Ghost, I want you to come and maybe stand on one of these first couple of steps and point at the camera and pray healing over those watching. You feel it, go ahead and do it. You don't have to get in the microphone. Just just stand right here where I'm standing and point at that camera and speak it. You feel it, pray it. Speak it in Jesus' name. Let's begin to activate that access. We've got the praising down. We've got the displaying salvation down. Now, let's get the prophesying and speaking the word of God down. Can you stand to your feet with me right now? Praise team, before you sing, I want you to pray for yourself too. Because as you're singing, you're going to be praying the word on people. It's Psalm 100, you're going to be singing. So pray it on yourself right now. Jesus, I pray the word over me. Remove the excuses from me. Oh God. Oh God. Like Jeremiah. Like Isaiah. We need to be touched with your word. We need to be cleansed with your word, God. Jesus, do it today. Do it today, I pray. Oh God, cleanse us by your word. Help us to see ourselves through your word the way you see us. Help us to see your kingdom the way it's revealed in your word. To understand it and to operate into it. To know that faith comes by hearing your word. But faith is activated by speaking your word. Oh God, in Jesus' name. As they begin to sing... I want you to begin to just, if you feel to pray for yourself a little bit longer, that's okay. But I want you to begin to think 
who does God want me to go pray for? And, and if, if they're not here today, if it's a loved one, a friend, a coworker, I want you to go find an empty chair and I want you to pray over that chair as if they're sitting there or standing in, in where that chair is. Does that make sense? If you want to see them up at the altar, then you come and, and, and in your mind, I want you to see them as if they're right there with you. You're praying for them to be saved, to be healed. If you want to see them baptized, go stand by the baptistry. Amen. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds weird, but without a vision, people perish.